All right, what's up, y'all? Today we've got Jeremy out of the Alabama area, and we're going to talk about how to keep up with the market as it's shifting and changing without going out of business. Here we go. It's the Tiny and Nate Show. I'm Tiny. And I'm Nate, here to help you create time and money freedom through real estate investing so that you can live a life full of impact and joy. Sweet, man. Thanks for being with us today. I'm stoked to talk to you and hear from you how your business, since I saw you, gosh, six, seven months ago, back in December, has changed and what you're doing right now to keep up the market. How you doing, man? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm great. Thank you very much for having me on. It's good to see you again. And yeah, yeah it's been six months. It's crazy. I was just saying to my <laughs> wife this morning, like, can you believe it's already 4th of July weekend is this weekend? It's crazy. I'm like, wait, uh, what's in July? Is- wait, it, it's almost, oh crap. <laughs> it's like crazy how half a year has gone by and the amount of change that, you know, as I've talked to other guys uh, in, in the mastermind that have gone through stuff and uh, just even other business owners in real estate, how much we're having to change and how nimble we're having to be. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how you guys in a completely different market, y'all are down South, right? So yep. you're in Alabama, Florida, and what other markets are you in? Atlanta. Atlanta, right? Yeah, um, Georgia, yeah. Only you know, couple, couple huge markets. Um, <laughs> what you're seeing work, you know? What are you seeing? Because you you were starting to go in one massive direction, and then you guys have had to do a lot of pivoting. Um, so to uncover all that, you know, I want to kind of go back and and start with some basic questions and yeah. be like, hey, how did you how did you get into real estate? Um, and then where are you now and kind of what's gotten you from where you were to kind of where you are and then hit us with some nuggets. I'm, I'm hoping uh, that other real estate investors and wholesalers and uh, cash buyers can hopefully take away from this and go, okay, I can implement that in my business. So okay. just, just break down for me, man. Uh, how'd you, how'd you get in this whole fun show? Yeah. So, um, you know, like a lot of us, I, I got introduced into real estate investing uh, probably in my, I guess it was in my early twenties. Okay. And unfortunately I didn't take action. Mm. Right. So had I taken action 25 years ago, um, <laughs> I would be in a very different place right now than I am. Yep. Um, but we can't change the past. So right. all we can do is just, you know, take action today. And, um, so, you know, fast forward to probably about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was in, I was in medical device sales. And I was trying to change careers and get out of medical devices because that industry is, it, it's interesting. Um, it's very cutthroat. It's, it's yeah. very copycat. And, uh, you know, once your patent expires, everyone just kind of takes everything from underneath you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. It is what it is. Um, same with a lot of other industries. But I just felt like I wanted to go do something else. And um, that's when I started, as cliche as it sounds, when I found bigger pockets. Yeah. And I started listening to podcasts, started yep. reading books. Um, and, you know, I, I had analysis paralysis. Mm. I went probably two years of education, wow. just every book you could possibly imagine, every wow. podcast I could find. I was, I was working full time in medical sales and probably doing four plus hours a day of real estate investing education. Wow. Because medical sales, you drive a lot. Yeah, sure. So sure. you can be listening to an audiobook, you can be listening to a podcast. Yep. And I'm just, you know, double dipping and just yep. getting educated while I'm still working. Yeah, getting um, paid to to learn. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um 
when I finally, the writing was on the wall that, you know, I was a medical device distributor. So I, I didn't work for a big company. I worked for myself. And, um, you know, every month the, the commission check that came in was just getting smaller and smaller and the writing was on the wall. It was like, okay, we're going to make the change. We're going to do it now. Yeah. Um, and we decided to make an entire life change. Wow. We moved from, uh, the Philadelphia, New York market. Okay. And moved down to nice, quiet, slow Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> and, uh, it's a shock. major, major culture shock. Yeah. Um, but what it did do for us is, um, this is actually a good, a good segue to what was going on right now, because yeah. what we were thinking back then, five years ago was how do we cut our expenses as low as we can? Mm -hmm. So we, so we, you know, we can kind of just take chances, follow opportunities that come our way I and not it. have to worry about like, Hey, I've got to make 15,000 or $20,000 a month just to pay the bills. Yeah. Right. Get it, for get sure. it down to 3000, $5,000 a month, whatever it is for you. Yeah. Um, that way, you know, if, if, if you take an up, take a chance, follow an opportunity, it doesn't work out. Not the end of the world. Right. right? You can still get by because you can pay your monthly expenses. Maybe you can't take a vacation, right? but you can still pay your bills. Yep. Um, so yeah, we came down here. I started wholesaling five years ago in Birmingham okay. and um, it was an up and down ride. Just like mm -hmm. it is for a lot of new wholesalers, you make some mistakes. Um, you maybe get into some deals you shouldn't have gotten into. Mm -hmm. You know, you have some success. You find yep. a couple of deals that work, and then you hire a VA. You spend some money. The next deal doesn't close, and then you're out of money again. So you gotta <laughs> keep starting and starting. You know, um, trying yeah. trying to get past that three to six month window yeah. that it really takes in this industry to to, to be successful. Yeah. If you know, when I, I talk to a lot of new investors, a lot of new mm -hmm. wholesalers that come in, um, whether they're in our mentorship or mm -hmm. they're just, you know, outside the mentorship and I come across them through maybe Facebook or another group. Yeah. And um, that's the advice I give to everyone. Like, you need to have three to six months worth of expenses. Mm -hmm. And by expenses, I mean at least $1,500 to $3,000 a month. Oh, yeah. If you don't have that, don't try and do it on your own. Hmm. You might get lucky and find yeah. a deal. Yeah. And I hope you do, but there's a very high likelihood that you're just going to spin your wheels and maybe find a couple small deals here and there. Yeah. But at the end of three to six months, your bank accounts, maybe you did one or two deals, but your bank account's still going to be zero. Yep. And I think that's even like a quarter to half what most real estate agents go through before they get their first commission. And it's usually yeah. not what a wholesaler is getting. It's, I mean, it's almost 12 months, you know, it's, it's eight to 12 months before I think the first, I think that's what the stats are. Uh, when I went yeah. through it, I think that's what it was, but it's like, dude, you gotta have some, you gotta have a little war chest set aside. So the things, things that you're saying that I just want to point out is education, like massive education. That's a big thing mm -hmm. we're a part of for ourselves that make us actually valuable. And for the people we work with, it's like, cause we want them to know, we know what we're talking about. It's like, here, here's the education, make sure we're saying what is true. Uh, and, and so you, you worked while you had a W2 or you were, you're working for yourself. So yep. you were educating yourself while you're getting paid to do something else before you just jumped into it. And then when you jumped into it, you know, it wasn't just smooth sailing. Like, yeah. like so many guys I've talked to and, and gals, it's like, no, there's some bumps. Cause I mean, it's, it's entrepreneurship, right? It's not just, Oh, here's the paint by numbers kind of thing. It's, you got to figure it out. And every story is different. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I personally like to shed light on that as often as I can, especially yeah. the new folks that are coming into to wholesaling or creative mm -hmm. finance. 
Um, because a lot of the you know podcasts out there and the gurus out there, they don't talk about that. Yeah. Because obviously they want to sell a program and they want you to think, hey, you sign up, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Um, I struggled for years. Yeah. You know, it's and yep. it's it's not fun to go through. And that's why there's such a high um, dropout rate in our industry. Yep. Absolutely. People try it for six months, a year, maybe even two years. And then they're like, mm-hmm. all right, this is impossible. I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere. Yep. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, you know, Dave, my partner, um, you know, we say it all the time, like we just refuse to quit. Yep. You, know, you can't fail if you never give up. That's right. I say that all right? the time. I say yeah. that all the time. And, and I, I don't know if, I don't know how you can, you can't sell that. You can't put, you can't package tenacity in a program. Like I think a person has to have grit. That's what I told my mm-hmm. wife. I'm like, we're always going to be okay. Cause, cause no one can take our grit away. Right. You know, like even if we lose everything, we'll be fine because we've got, we've got grit. And I think that's like the number one ingredient for a successful entrepreneur is you're right. You can't lose if you don't ever quit. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. takes a lot I mean, of that. in this business. You're, sure. you're going to go to, you might go in debt. You might not sleep very much. Right. Um, <laughs> you may have a lot of stress, Yeah. but if you just keep on getting up and keep on trying to find new ways to be successful and uh, partnering with more people and um, mm-hmm. there's an unlimited way to make a unlimited amount of ways to make money in our industry. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of niched down. Mm-hmm. And got super focused on what we wanted to do that we yeah. started really becoming successful. Let's talk about that. So, you know, what kind of, what are the transformations that your business has gone through and your partnership has gone through? Um, lessons you've learned, you know, in the last six months, especially lately, I would say in the last 60 days, um, as the market is, sh- is shifting, uh, that's gotten you to, to survive and, and thrive in, in current conditions. Tell me about that. Yeah. So actually, I'm going to back up even further. Sure. Um, I had a partnership before, before Dave and I got together. That's right. And, um, that partnership, it, it, it was mildly successful for Mm -hmm. a little while, but it was a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason it was a recipe for disaster was we didn't have defined roles in the company, right? There was no integrator visionary roles. There were no defined separation in the company. A lead would come in and it was like, Hey, did you handle it? Did you handle it? I don't know. Um, and the ball got dropped a lot, right? Yeah. We'd still do deals and think money would still come in, but, um, eventually that's not a scalable model. Mm-hmm. You can't run a successful business that way. Yeah. Um, and then we separated and, um, I went a few months on my own and then out of chance, just by being in our mentorship that we're in, yeah. um, I met Dave and we, we, we weren't successful from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, we both knew that we, we wanted to give this thing, you know, a hundred percent of our effort, we were both full-time real estate investors yeah. and, um, we struggled for probably six months, maybe mm-hmm. even more than six months. We struggled. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until we found our exact niche mm. that we truly started to become successful. Um, now, you know, we did were you trying guys, all of the strategies. Did you guys have, did you recognize that you, uh, didn't have defined roles in your first partnership before you started with Dave, or did you not recognize that? I 100% knew that. Okay. So when you started with Dave, you knew you were going to be one and he was going to be another. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. So even when you figured that out, you found a new partner that was a great fit for you. You didn't just magically have success. No, no, we didn't. Because, you know, um, having to define roles in the business helps you from a business perspective, Mm -hmm. but you don't have a business if you don't have leads. Yeah. Sales. So that's still a whole different problem. (laughs) Right. 
Um, yep. Just having having a having the defined roles in the business helps you scale once you've you know found the way to get leads in the door. Yep. Um, so we just struggled with getting consistent lead flow, getting quality lead flow in the okay. door for for months. Yeah. Yep. You know, going after the wrong lists and the wrong markets and all of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, I. I sort of lucked into a relationship. I guess luck's probably the wrong word. You know, when you yep. network, you get lucky and you find things, right? It's yep. part of uh, part of why you do, why you work hard and why you do network. Yep. Um, I came across a, a guy who was an intermediary to hedge funds and, okay. um, and he introduced me to the world of hedge funds. All and, right. uh, you know, that's how I, that's how I started doing a handful of deals with funds, how I started realizing how many different funds are out there. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't direct to them. I had right. to go through someone else and yeah. you know, it was, it was good and we would have kept doing it for a while. Yeah. Uh, we had been doing it probably for, I don't know, three or four months before we came to mastermind. Okay. And, um, you know, I had to have a, a really hard, like heart to heart talk with, you know, two of the, two of the people that are running mastermind. And yeah. I, I asked them some very difficult questions about the situation I was in mm -hmm. and they asked their advice for, um, ethical things of ethical questions of what I should do because of certain, certain situations I was in. Okay. Um, you know, separation of the person that was, that was bringing that opportunity to me and how to handle that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they said that they, they actually gave me advice of, of stay with that person and, mm -hmm. um, and just try and work it out. And then when I came home, um, the writing was on the wall, it became clearer and clearer every time another deal came up that it was just not a good relationship. Yeah. Um, and we cut ties 100%. Mm -hmm. I went and made my own new relationships with the hedge funds. Didn't yeah. use the ones that he had. Went and found yeah. my own brand new ones. Um, and even I was even fully transparent with the hedge funds. I, I explained to them. I said, listen, this is what I was doing before. Yeah. Are you okay with me working directly with you? Yeah. Even though I was working with somebody else at your fund through another person. Yeah. And um, he was like, listen, we're completely fine with it if you're okay with it. Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, let's test one, see how it goes. Nice. And it was nice. like, holy cow, this is so much easier. <laughs> so, so let's not, uh, I don't want to skip over the chance to talk to somebody who has experience working with hedge funds because I have zero experience. And I don't think that's a, that's not something you can just like take a course at a junior college, like how to work with hedge funds. So, yeah. <laughs> could, you, could you dive in real quick, just to, like a short synopsis of, you know, what are, what are hedge funds? Cause, Obviously, that's kind of foundational. Um, and then what are they looking for? How do you serve them? How do you bring them value? How do you find them? I just want to take a yeah. quick detour into that because it's it's something that fascinates me about you guys and the clients you have um, because it, it really, in a large part, dictates the model that you have and kind of how you go about finding uh, deals for them. So can you break that down for us real quick? Yeah, yeah. So um, a, a hedge fund is basically a, a pool of money Okay. that a team is managing and they have, you know, hedge funds work in every industry. It doesn't have to be real estate related. They could be trading securities. They can be doing whatever. Um, there happens to be a handful of hedge funds that buy and hold real estate. Mm -hmm. um, I personally know of about 10 to 15 that I've worked with. Um, and there's way more than that out there. There's sure. probably hundreds of hedge funds and they come in all different shapes and sizes um, some of them are buying a small handful of houses per month, and some of the big ones are buying over a thousand houses a month nationally. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so 
all that being said, we have pivoted our business away from that being our focus. The reason we've done that is because with the current economic state, we've seen a lot of hedge funds either shut the doors or tighten their buy box considerably. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so previous to the, the you know, the, the change in the, in the market, yep. um, your typical buy box for a hedge fund was a three bedroom, one and a half bath, larger than a thousand square foot. Mm-hmm. That was like your typical buy box. Most yep. hedge funds, it fell somewhere right around there. Maybe they dropped down to 900 square feet. Maybe they said they wanted a 1200 square foot minimum, but it was in that ballpark. Okay. You know, your typical, you know, starter home, three yep. bedroom, one and a half bath. Yep. Um, and then they just started squeezing the buy box and squeezing the buy box and squeezing the buy box. Now it's like, Hey, we only want three bedroom, two bath, 1000 square foot or bigger built from 1990 to now Okay. in these specific zip codes. Um, yeah. and they can't have an AR, they can only have an ARV between 125,000 and 250,000. Wow. So, well, that's very specific. It is. Yep. So, so it becomes are... harder. <laughs> yeah. It becomes yeah. harder and harder to find that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were, we had six VAs that we were using in our business. We were texting that that was, has always been our primary direct to seller marketing strategy has been texting SMS. Yep. We were sending about 10,000 SMSs per day Wow. through our six VAs. Wow. And it's a lot. You have to pull a lot of data. You have to pull big lists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. Um, I don't recommend it for anyone who's, you know, just starting out. <laughs> <You're> kidding. <laughs> yeah. It costs a lot of money to keep the lights on. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, sure. But you know, that being said, we, as we started seeing the writing on the wall that they were starting to dry up a little bit, yep. um, we started scaling back down and we mm-hmm. went from six virtual assistants down to three virtual assistants. Okay. Um, and then, that was more manageable. We got, we cut, we cut our, our expenses basically in half yep. by letting go some VAs and lowering the amount of data we're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that was kind of our, 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 our starting of completely 100% changing the company. Okay. So what are you guys doing today? So today we are focused primarily on acquiring properties. Okay. Um, we are, we are, you know, using private capital mm-hmm. to acquire properties. Um, we're going after auction properties. Okay. We're acquiring, um, we, we love stopping foreclosures. Okay. Like anytime you stop a foreclosure, you know, it's, it's the best of all worlds. Yep. You know, for like sure. you, it, I've said, it a mil- I've said it a million times to other people, um, you know, yes, getting a check when you're doing wholesale, it's, it's nice. It pays the yep. bills, but it's like, all right, on to the next one, whatever. Yeah. You know, we bought a house, we sold a house. Okay. Yeah. You know, when you stop a foreclosure though, yeah. like you change someone's life. For sure. And like I've had, I had um, just a few weeks ago, I had a 47 year old man cry mm-hmm. to me because I saw, I stopped his foreclosure. Yeah. The only thing he cared about was having his wife mm-hmm. be able to go and hang out with her friends and her friends never knew she almost lost her house. That was wow. all he cared about. Wow. And I was, I told him, I said, we're good. Don't worry. I'm going to stop this for you. We're going to be fine. We'll work on the details later, but just know like we're fine. Yeah. 
and That's he was amazing. like, he lost it. He started crying to me. He's like, I can't believe, like, I can't believe you, you're able to do this. Um, and that's an amazing feeling, yes. right? Like you're truly providing value when you yep. can do that. Absolutely. Um, and, and we go into every one of those situations. The mindset is not like, I want to go in there and make a lot of money. Sure. It's I'm going to go in that situation. I'm going to see if I can solve their problem. Yep. And as long as I don't lose money, yeah. we're going to do it. Yeah. And more often than not, you'll still make money. Absolutely. And, and what I found is like that there's, there's some force at work where when you're doing good work for people, and I don't believe in karma, but you know, some, a lot of people do, but when you're going and doing good work and you're helping people and you don't exactly know what you're going to get from it at the end of the day, but you know, mm -hmm. you're doing it for the right reasons, like opportunity shows up. It just does. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm helping stop a foreclosure right now in my area up here in Idaho. And I've been working on that house like crazy. And I think three neighbors want me to help them sell their house, like or to, to buy their house from them. And it's just like, okay, great. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and, and my clients like going off on, on how amazing I am and what a good job I'm doing. And he's the only way to go, you know, and it's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. You. And I was, it's not why we do it, Yeah, but it's but a it, nice byproduct of, of doing that. It's incredible. It's just, it's, it, it's, um, it's one of the things you can't predict when you start or you wouldn't necessarily know unless someone was telling you kind of like, you know, when you, when you transitioned from learning and education and paralysis analysis or vice versa, you know, there's no substitute for just massive action. And yeah. some people get stuck because they don't know what step number three is or seven is. And so they can't take step number one. I know. And it's like, well, you, you're just going to have to deal with that because there are no like for sure's in the world. And if you're going to be self-employed, like you got to start taking steps before you know where the ground is. Yeah. And so yeah, that's, like, I don't that's know. I don't know. I don't know a title company. Yeah. You don't have a deal. You don't need one. <laughs> right. Just go take action. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, and learn, learn a lot from everybody on the way. And I, I think that's one of the sweet sweetnesses of uh, doing this is, the kind of rescue position you get to come to be like, I keep using the phrase, um, uh, a real estate trauma nurse. I think that's accurately describes a lot of what we do. I've never right? heard that before. Yeah. I just, I kind of made it up and, and I, I think it very accurately describes what we do. And we come into a situation a lot of times where there's some trauma of some sort and we can help solve the problem and it has a profound impact on people. And that's, that's one of the messages I think I want to, um, champion as well. It's just like real estate can be a, a massive tool um, for change, a change agent in communities, lives. It's just, man, it makes you feel amazing. Like I think yeah, it's, it really does. I've done a lot of things over my career and I know you have too. This is probably the one that I'm most fulfilled in because exactly what you're saying of the yeah. amount of like impact you can have on a human's life is huge. Yeah. yeah. And it's not every deal. No, but it's when not. Those deals come <laughs> along. It's, it, it makes it all make sense. Yeah. Puts, puts life into perspective. Absolutely. So yeah. you guys went from transitioning to, you know, mainly serving hedge funds, which mm -hmm. you, you had to navigate relationships and uh, you were kind of stuck. It seems like you were stuck behind a gatekeeper that was, man, you know, keeping their relationships closed. How did you, how did, I don't know if we covered this, but how did you find those hedge funds? I know you're not using them now, but how did you find them? Did you just look them up? Did you just call people? What did you do? Yeah. So, um, I don't know why most people don't think of this, but um, I use LinkedIn. Nice. Yep. Use LinkedIn and you go in and you just you just uh, start typing in keywords. You know, mm -hmm. type in, if you know of funds, type yeah. their name in. If you don't know any funds, type in acquisition. 
Okay. Um, and you'll start finding acquisition managers and you know, you'll just, you have to do the work. Sure. It's not like, Hey, you're going to type one time into LinkedIn, you're going to do a search and you're going to find a hundred fund managers. Hedge fund um, manager. <laughs> you just need to, you need to do the work. And you, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many messages I've sent out through LinkedIn to people that I never heard back from. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, Most but you them. just do the work and you just build those relationships. And the more they see you, um, yeah. you let them know, Hey, I'm doing business with these other people in yeah. the markets. I know you buy in. Would right. you, would you like to see my deals? Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, if they don't, some hedge funds you're never going to get, they only yeah. go through intermediaries. They might use brokers or whoever they use. Sure. Um, and you have no access to them. Like there's, yeah. there's a few I know of, like one of them's out of, um, Israel. Oh, wow. And I can't, I can't get them at all. I, sure. I can't get a contact to them whatsoever. Um, I've even spoken to hedge funds that have flat out told me like, Hey, you know, thanks for reaching out, but we only go through brokers. If you can't provide us volume, um, we, we have to go through a broker and I don't know what volume means. Yeah. You know, in yeah. my eyes, I could have shown them volume. Um, but maybe volume to them is like, if you can't send me a hundred deals a month. Sure. You know, sure. it's not worth our know. time. I don't I mean, want to send them hundred deals a month. <laughs> think about that though. Just to be in that place of business is so crazy of like, well, we're buying on average, you know, five to 700 houses a month. So if you can't really send us more than a hundred, it's really not worth the paperwork. Like <laughs> to be yeah, in that position. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, yep. So there's room for growth is what you're saying. Okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so we started, um, because of like, to go back to how much volume we were doing as far as yep. like 10,000 text messages per day. Yeah. Um, one of the amazing benefits of sending out that much, that many texts, yeah. that much marketing yeah. is we saw trends really fast. Wow. We saw you, you had, we, had, we were getting 15 to 20 leads per day. Wow. So like we saw a lot, we talked to a lot of sellers or homeowners that were sure. a lot of them weren't sellers. Right. Yep. Um, so we started seeing trends and what I was noticing is like, the, the mindset of the sellers went mm -hmm. from, Hey, I know I can sell my house for whatever. Yeah. Because my neighbor sold for 400, which means I'm up next. I can mm -hmm. sell it for 425 and I guarantee I'm going to get a bidding more. Yeah. And that went on for a while. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden we started seeing it a little bit different. It was like, well, Hey, I can't sell because I can't find something to buy. Mm-hmm. And then they started getting a little bit scared. It was like, okay, well, I can't sell because I can't buy a house without doubling my mortgage payment because I'm buying a more expensive house and now rates are higher. Yep. And it was like the sellers went from I'm in control to I'm scared. Yes. Big time. And that's when we realized, okay, we need to be marketing to pain. Mm -hmm. We weren't. We were buying pretty houses. From mm. people with no pain, because um, we could pay, sure. we could pay fair market value and sure. make money with hedge funds. Absolutely, yeah. And once everything shifted, it became clear that we couldn't do that anymore. No, yeah. So we shifted, which you know, anytime in this market, if you try and shift your business, it's it's scary. Yeah, it's it really is. scary. We went from having at one point we had thirteen deals on our whiteboard, and it went to zero. <laughs> Our whiteboard was literally erased clean. Uh, crickets. Yeah. Yes. Which is a scary thing. And it was like, okay, no, we, we still want our VAs doing their things. We yeah. still want our acquisitions manager to be doing follow-up. 
everyone has to understand that like we're shifting and it's like, we're starting over. We need three to six months to gain traction. Mm. And now today we're starting to see like the whiteboard is filling up. Nice. We're doing, continue to do the things Yep. and do the right things. And then, right. you know, the world will provide. So you said, you know, you were, you were following, you were buying pretty houses and paying fair market value. And now you need to look for pain. So what are some of the tactical, you know, tangible things that you guys are looking for? And now you're buying up a lot of real estate. Are you doing buy and hold? Is that kind of the strategy or buying fix and flip, buying and wholesaling? What, what are you, what are you after now and how are you doing it? Yeah. So the first question I can't answer thoroughly. It's not my fair side enough. of the business. Fair enough. Um, I know that we are trying to pull pain data. Um, sure. I don't, I don't worry about what's happening on that side. Yeah. Um, that's just the way we defined our roles. So yeah, you, you take them like, when they're in the door. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just like Dave doesn't ask me what's going on with leads. Like we, we have our defined roles. <laughs> yep. Um, good job. The, the question of what are we doing now though? Yeah. Um, we're trying to find highest and best use of each deal. Nice. Right. So it's, it, it may be a, a quick wholesale deal. It's possible sure. still to do quick wholesale deals. Yep. Um, we are looking at every deal first as a buyer. Okay. That we're underwriting it as a buyer. Yep. And um, if it works as a buy and hold, then we will look at it that way. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want we don't want to tie up our capital with the economy changing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so we're making decisions based on the current economy and what's best for the health of our company. Okay. Um, like we closed a deal on Friday that was a crazy um, hybrid deal. It was yeah. all over the place. It stopped a foreclosure. It was a crazy hybrid deal. And um, we have about a hundred thousand dollars spread on it. Okay. And we originally said, we're going to, we're going to hold this thing. It's in an area that is, it's in Huntsville, Alabama, which is, it has NASA, the head of the FBI, the FBI headquarters moved there. Um, yeah, NASA moved their uh, command center there. Uh, Toyota Mazda just built a plant there. Wow. The, they have military there. It's a lot of high-level jobs are there, and okay. it's just growing and growing. So we know that that area, even if we have a, a market turn, that area is not really going to turn. There's too much mm -hmm. demand. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, we're going to buy that, and we're going to hold it forever. Mm -hmm. And then the market started shifting on us. Um, which is still all very new. The markets really started shifting in the past couple of weeks, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so now what we're going to do is is we're going to we're just going to uh, put you know like a lipstick flip, a really yep. really quick flip on it. Yep. Um, I'm going to go in. There's some holes in the walls. I'm going to go patch some holes in the walls mm -hmm. and clean it up a little bit, and then we're just going to sell it. And we're going to sell yeah. it at a discount. It's worth about four forty five, and we'll probably list it at about four hundred. Nice. Um, yeah. And it will still do well on it. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Okay. That's, that's something that I've noticed in our business as well is like looking at each deal individually and not just, not just going, well, we're just only going to do wholesales or we're just going to do fix and flips. It's like you, if you take that approach, you know, at least the stage of business we're in, you're going to leave a lot on the table. And so I'm, you know, I've been using that word, you know, myself, hybrid deals of like, well, it's a little bit of a wholesale, but it's also a little bit of a novation slash fix and flip. But it's not, you know, it's like combining these different strategies and tools, um, you know, maybe it has a little bit of creative or, you know, maybe you're going to get 
so-and-so to, to cover closing, or you're going to delay this, or you're going to raise private capital. There's just what I love about real estate. And I think that people who are new to this might not appreciate is just the creativity that you can have. Like yeah. when, when there's a lack of, I don't want to say lack of rules because there are definitely rules, but when there's a lack of limitation on how you can put together and structure deals, your opportunity to create wins goes way up. You know, I, I have, I got a real estate license uh, last year and I went through the basic training of what most real estate agents experience. Mm -hmm. And there's amazing real estate agents out there. I'm not saying that, but the, the tools that they're equipped with, at least right out of the gate, aren't very significant. Yeah. You know, there's, there's only like, here's a hammer, go find a nail. <laughs> it's like, well, this is a screw and I don't have a screwdriver or, you know, there's so many problems that that doesn't allow you to solve. So I just, I love, love, love the education, then massive action because there's, there's nothing you can't like, you, there's no situation you can walk into and be like, well, I, yeah, I can't fix that. It's like, I can, I can fix whatever you got. Now you might not like the answer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it might not work for both of us, but it is possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, it, you know, Dave and I had a conversation just earlier today yeah. and um, we were saying like, when it comes to real estate investors, um, only about 1% of all real estate investors understand creative finance. Wow. And then even among that subset, hmm. people who know creative finance, only about 1% of those can even can do the really high level stuff. And that's right. when it gets fun. Yeah. You know, like, like we're, we're looking at like, you know, the double note strategy. Where you know we'll buy a property and we will we'll wrap we'll wrap the property so we'll we'll sell it on seller financing and we will make two notes, right? Remember they were talking about that at Mastermind. Yeah, I do. So we will create the first note, sell it slightly discounted, mm -hmm. and that pays off our underlying mortgage on the property. You mm -hmm. know, obviously the numbers have to work out, mm -hmm. but then that second note may only be twenty five thousand. Maybe it's a little more than that. But you just put that thing in your pocket. You don't. It doesn't. It doesn't sell when you sell the first note. It's yours. So you're just going to keep on, you know, receiving the small little paychecks every month. Maybe a couple hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's two, three, four hundred dollars that comes in every month. But just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And now it's like, you know, if you had a rental that cash flowed two or three hundred dollars a month, right? Which is sort of industry standard, right? Somewhere between yep. two and five hundred dollars a month for a rental. Yep. Um, but we don't have to worry about there's no property. The, the tenants calling us with an issue. Well, there is a property. Or the bank. No, yeah. You're, what, you don't own the it, property. What is it called? Or just the uh, bank. Paper lords? No. Ten, uh, instead of landlords, what is it called? Note lords? Something like that? I, I'm not sure. I haven't heard that. I, there, was, there was a phrase that one of those guys used. And I was like, okay, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are, we're, we're focusing on that strategy now. Okay. Um, nice. and you know, what, what we've been wanting to get into one of our primary goals in our business has always been cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, and unfortunately we didn't, we didn't hit, I'll be completely honest. We didn't hit our goals. Yeah. You know, we had our, we had quarterly goals and here we are halfway into the year and we haven't acquired any, we, we wanted to have Airbnbs so we get passive yeah. income and we don't have any Yep. We're six months in, we don't have a single Airbnb and looking back, that might be a good thing because you know, yeah. I'm hearing some things out there that like Airbnb is starting to get difficult. You're starting to see people not getting the the bookings they were getting before, mm -hmm. and you know it's it's understandable when you have gas that's five, six, seven dollars a gallon. Yeah, people just don't want to get in the car and drive. Not taking a road trip. Yeah, right. 
Right. So um, it's not happening to everyone, but I'm seeing people uh, in, in different Facebook groups saying that, you know, hey, I've had this Airbnb for three years and I was always 70% occupied and I don't have a single booking for the rest of the summer. Wow. Yeah. And, and maybe that's market specific. Maybe it's a trend that's going to go away. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, you have a lot of people who are buying deals just to use for Airbnb and they're sure. not underwriting them properly. You can get yourself in some trouble. Well, and okay. that's why having multiple exits on every deal, like yeah. don't sign up for something that you are pigeonholed into one solution. Because if that solution falls apart for some reason or the market changes by the time you close, mm -hmm. you're screwed. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's that's what's making um, fix and flips more risky, I think, for everybody. Uh, we had, we've, we're experiencing this right now. So, you know, we got, a, we got a fix and flip that we started back in January and it was a 90-day project that was pushed out two months for various project related problems. And then in that two months, the market shifted. Yeah. So guess what we still have a house for sale. So, you know, that's just, that really, sucks. it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. It just happened to us as well. Um, yeah. we, part of the, um, the, the, the tough thing about stopping foreclosures, um, is that sometimes they take a while. Yes. And deals get delayed. You stop it. You you know get it pushed back thirty days, and then you're trying to work things out. You're trying to pay off old liens, and for some reason, just you can't get everything taken care of. And then all of a sudden, a month goes by, yep. and you still haven't acquired the property yet. Right. And now you expected like we had one that we just were in the process of selling, we're closing on next week. Um, it took us over a month to acquire it. Oh, uh, over a month longer than it should have to acquire right. it. Right. And um, when I put that house on the market, like when I first like hit send to like, okay, go live on the, on the listing. Yeah. It was like crickets. And I was Gosh. like, Oh no, we got one showing. And luckily that one person bought it. Oh man. You only and need one. Over, but... And paid over asking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know. Wow. But, um, but I was, I was, we were worried about it. And now yeah. like the one we're acquiring, we just closed on Friday. Um, the one up in Huntsville and that took us a month longer than it was supposed to take us. And that's a, almost a half million dollar house. Yeah. It's like when the market turns on you and rates go up three points and you're holding a million dollar, a half million dollar house, mm -hmm. you better have underwritten it properly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, that's another thing is like um, not forgetting the costs. Underwriting is so key because I mean, not only do you have capital gains tax, but then you have your, you know, regular taxes that you're going to pay as a business when you do a fix and flip or, you know, you're, you're holding a property short term and that can be massive. Like yeah. just not missing any of the things that are going to cost you, you know, it could completely blow your profit margin or your safety margin or your project budget or whatever. And so just <laughs> making sure you do some education before yes. you jump in you know, yeah. with your savings. And, and like you said, though, have multiple exits. Absolutely. If the market does turn on us with that house, yep. um, we could hold it. We don't yep. want to right now. We prefer to get the money in our bank account to, yeah. you know, be, be safe. We want to have, you know, a year plus of business expenses just sitting in the bank. Nice. Um, and we feel like as long as we have that, we're okay. We're, we're prepared for any market downturn that comes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. solid buffer. <laughs> we're trying. That's, that's awesome. Well, I wanted to, to end on, you know, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, you know, obviously you got your at Jeremy uh, Gonzalez 12 there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a period there. Don't miss that. But you know, you, you guys started, I think you started your own mentorship 
right? How's that going? What's uh, what's your focus there? No, we didn't. We didn't start a mentorship. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Okay, I must have been thinking of something else. But um, if someone wanted to like reach out to you because you are in the uh, Atlanta, Birmingham, Orlando, did I miss one? Uh, Tampa. Tampa. Okay, so four, yeah. four markets. If someone is in one of those markets, and um, so we've we've said this forever, and I think we've been told this forever. One of the best ways to get started in this business is go provide value to someone who's doing business, yeah. right? Yeah. If you want something done, go work with someone who's getting things done. Well, Jeremy, you're obviously getting things done. Um, you and Medium Wave Dave, <laughs> yep. such a great nickname, yep. um, are just rocking it in those four markets. And so if someone wanted to get a hold of you, you know, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah, you can either use Instagram, uh, DM me, or you can um, send me a text message. My phone number is 205-75. Let me give you a, a banner here. I'll make it up for you. What's that number? Give me those two zero five two zero five seven five seven seven five seven seven five nine seven. Oh, that's that is nice and repetitive. There we go. Let's see. Uh, there it is. All right. So there is your phone number for the world to see. Absolutely. Uh, but if someone wanted to add value to you, what could they bring? Could they bring you deals? Could they bring you leads? What what's something that would bring value to your business? So there's two things that could bring value to us right now. Um, two, two of the focuses in our business. Um, obviously you can bring me, uh, deals to help you with, Mm -hmm. or you can, um, become a door knocker for us. Nice. And, uh, you know, one of the things we're seeing right now, um, you know, within our mentorship, we have accountability groups, right? Mm -hmm. So within that, within, I happen to run the accountability group, um, for my, my region and, one of the things we're starting to see on our accountability calls is people are having massive success with door knocking. Really? Yeah. Massive success. Like the KPIs on it are mind blowing. Um, and these wow. are, a lot of them are folks that have no real estate investing experience whatsoever. Okay. Um, they are coming in and a couple of them have some experience, but uh, mm-hmm. ones that don't have any experience, they're just going out and door knocking. And you know, the reason why they're having such great success and, and, and you know, we've been calling auction lists with our VAs, Mm-hmm. And we're not getting anywhere with it. Yep. If you think about it, think about the mentality of someone whose house is going to auction. They're their getting phone, phone calls all day long from, from bill collectors, right? Yep. So anything that hits their phone, they ignore it. Yep. Someone knocks on their door and says, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, you know, I, I might be able to help you with the situation you're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, they're like, really? No one's come and tell me, told me that. Yeah. And yeah. they're having... I mean, it's almost like oh. one out of every five houses that they're knocking, they're getting a real conversation. It's crazy Whoa. how how much success they're having. That's um, not yeah. So so we we are looking at at you know building out a door knocking team. Yeah. Um it's a great way for someone who doesn't have any experience in real estate investing or at least in creative finance. Doesn't cost anything either. Just I mean, it doesn't cost anything. Cost gas money, basically to drive around and, and yeah. some time some of your time to yeah. go and knock on doors. And all they're doing is setting appointments for us. Amazing. And then we get on the phone with the sellers and we figure out what's going on and try and solve the problem. All right. Yeah. I love that. So man, I'm gives, gives me ideas. Is, is that something that's uh, working more recently than, you know, in the last two months, a lot better than before that, yes. or is there something? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about it nationally, um, the moratorium was there for what, two years plus, right? There were no foreclosures. Right. So now banks are starting to catch up. What we're right. also seeing 
is that um, in our personal experience, mm -hmm. banks and trustees, the trustees are the basically collection agencies, but they're lawyers usually. Yep. And um, they're the ones that are getting like, once the bank says they're going to foreclose, they send it over to the trustee. Um, they've lost patience mm. because they've had to wait for two plus years yep. to get paid anything on these houses. Sure. Um, I'm not in any way defending the banks, mm -hmm. but you know, if you think about it from their standpoint, they haven't gotten paid. They don't want to hear the stories the sellers are telling them. What we're seeing them do is drag their feet long enough that the sellers think the banks are helping them. Mm. But by the time they get around to giving them an answer, the deadline has passed. Dang. That is it's it's in it's 100 intentional. That is sketchy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when we're talking to sellers and the sellers are like, oh yeah, don't worry, we have it handled. That might not be accurate. The bank might be telling you it's being handled, but why don't you have a backup plan just in case? Absolutely. If you notice that you're a week away from your or two weeks away from your auction date and the yeah. bank hasn't given you paperwork to sign, yeah, you probably should find another option. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. Man, that's a that's a great nugget. And uh we make reels out of these, and I want to make sure that is one of them. All right, team. Make sure right. this is in there <laughs> um, that's fantastic so door knocking um that but again what a great way to break into real estate investing is by providing value to someone who's already doing business so yeah. if you're in the tampa orlando birmingham or atlanta markets and you, you want to get be anywhere or anywhere. anywhere yeah right. honestly you can be anywhere um we're actively marketing in those markets but if someone okay. wants to get in and they just want to start off and they don't know where to go um, nice. we can give you an auction list anywhere Love it. as long as that's in a greater metro area, not out, you know, in a rural area where there's, right. you know, 3,000. Like Who's yeah, who, goes I mean, there? Who, who lives there? <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit, uh, out here. I will admise that. Yeah, it is for sure. That's all right. It's a beautiful country. It is awesome, yeah. man. Well, yeah. dude, I, I so appreciate your time. And I, I learn so much every time doing this. But I mean, um, is there is there any is there to, to end this? Is there one thing? I mean, I, I think I'd pull it out if, if, if I had to tell you. But is there anything that you would pass on as like one nugget of, you know, if you do one thing, do this, if you want to be successful in real estate investing, if you have, if you have anything, an idea, what would it be? Yeah, um, I know exactly what it is. Um, again, something I tell newer uh, investors all the time. Yeah. Find your one thing, hmm. right? Find find whatever strategy it's going to be because hmm. all the strategies work if you work that strategy. That's so true. That's hard to hear as a new person because you're like, oh, I wanted you to give me like a, a silver bullet. And it's like, there's no silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. There's no shortcuts. Right. Work hard. And get your teeth kicked in and get back up and keep yeah. going. Like that grit, man. It's just, there's no no substitute for it. Yeah. Yep. Shiny object syndrome is a real thing. Oh, gosh. It will kill you. Death <laughs> by shiny object syndrome. It's a, it's a terrible way to go. Yeah, it really is. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate you being on here. And uh, for everybody watching, if you got value out of this, hit the like, subscribe, do all those things uh, just so you see our next one. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode of the tiny nate show thanks for being here see you guys thanks tiny see you